Welcome to another episode of the Everything Went Black podcast. I'd like to welcome CJ Chapel, founder of Rice and Dreams. Uh, Rice and Dreams are basically an apparel and uh, video channel that have a mission. And their mission is to create community and share productive ideas. I met CJ a number of years ago um, at a tomb show down in Tampa. And we've stayed in touch uh, just, you know, over email and uh, whenever I'm in town, uh, you know, we seem to connect. And when he launched this uh, new company, I got on board with the idea because I'm always trying to, you know, promote like-minded people, uh, empowerment, um, that sort of stuff. And uh, that's pretty much what Rice and Dreams are all about. And uh, we're going to spend uh, the next episode talking to CJ about what his motivations were and what he's hoping to achieve with his company. If you want to support the podcast, uh, please do so by donating via Patreon. You know, this is the fundraising portion of the episode. And if you want to support the podcast, you can uh, go to Patreon a number of different ways. You can go directly to everythingwentblackmedia.com, and there's a button to donate via Patreon at the top of the site. And also, if you just want to go directly to patreon.com backslash everything went black podcast, and uh, there's a number of different uh, subscription tiers that uh, you can take advantage of. Um, yeah, you know, my goal uh, for the podcast is to expand, and um, I've always admired sites like Vice, not so much for the uh, content that they generate, but how they just seem to have a certain freedom in the types of things that they cover. Um, you know, I'd like to build Everything Went Black into, an, you know, a legit media outlet. Uh, you know, but with that, I'm going to need some help from you guys. And uh, that's my mission statement for the future. I just want to expand this, um, put more writing on there, uh, do more video content, and uh, basically upgrade the entire operation. Um, you know, with all of that comes increased expenses for bandwidth, uh, you know, website maintenance and uh, that sort of thing. So if you check out the Patreon, um, there's a number of different tiers for a dollar. Honestly, not much is available. This means that, hey, I'll give you a dollar every month. I like what you're doing. But uh, in, a, in exchange for a dollar a month, uh, you get some behind the scenes picks and info and um, I'll make available some discounts on the forthcoming merchandise store, uh, which is uh, trying to put that together for the future. Uh, at $3, you get a follow on social media, and you get to publish your own personal mixtape. For those of you who've been following the Mixcloud version of the site, I, from time to time, I post uh, mixtapes, and people seem to be you know listening to those and enjoying them. And um, I want to do more of that. And at the $3 level... Um, you get to publish your mixtape, you know, whatever stuff you want to choose, put a tape together and post it on the site. And then uh, you get everything from the, uh, the $1 version of the tier. At $5, you get high-quality downloads of each episode uh, plus some bonus content. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that sort of doesn't get make it into the episode. There's some additional information on the guests. Uh, all that stuff will be available at the $5 uh, level and then everything for the others you, know, you get <clears throat> to do your mixtape you get the behind the scenes info you get the high quality downloads all that sort of stuff things get really interesting at 10 bucks for 10 dollars a month you'll get a free shirt and a tote bag plus art prints which will 
another thing I'm working on for the merchandise store, plus everything else. And at, if you're a baller, a real baller, and you got 20 bucks to spare every month, you get production credits as being a producer for each of the episodes. You get to submit ideas for future episodes, any guest ideas that you want, um, any topics you want covered. And um, you can, I'm also at this level going to unveil the supporter segment of each episode where we get to do a brief interview with you, find out who you are, what kind of stuff you're into. Um, then you get to talk about things you like, uh, things that you don't like, projects you might be working on, and you get to be uh, part of the supporter segment of each episode. So yeah, there you have it. And um, yeah, I want to really be able to do this without actually using any kind of advertising. Um, you know, I have some affiliate advertisers that I have, um, and that's basically stuff that I use, and I'm, which brings up our affiliate advertisers. We have on it. If you're into kettlebells, uh, you know, sort of uh, progressive fitness techniques, on it's the place to go to buy kettlebells and clubs and uh, all this kind of workout gear. Um, right now, I've really been working my Turkish get-ups really hard. Um, I'm up to 22 kilogram uh, belt to do a uh, circuit that includes 10 swings and one get-up per side times 10. So yeah, it's a pretty killer workout. If you're into paleo uh, or healthy living, you can also get the Onnit MCT oil, which is part of my daily regimen. Every morning I wake up, brew up some Savage Gold coffee, and blend it with uh, Onnit MCT oil and grass-fed butter, and that's how I start every day. Also, uh, we have Datsusara, which is a really cool company. They produce hemp made apparel and accessories for me i'm really into the bags um, i use the battle pack pretty much every day put all my training gear in there you can fit shin guards boxing gloves headgear a gi uh shorts water bottles all that kind of stuff all fits in your uh your battle pack and on tour i take my battle pack to put all my clothes in and i also have the really cool accessory known as the fanny pack not a lot of people are really comfortable wearing fanny backs but i am i love it take that on toward me got all my accoutrements flashlight tuner miscellaneous uh things i might need like a knife out on the road so there you go man check all that stuff out at everything went black media you can scroll down i have them uh inconspicuously located on the website so they don't really obstruct it doesn't really affect the user experience, but you can check out those portals and, um, yeah, hit those portals, go through, and order. And I get a little taste. Not much, but a little bit. Helps keep things moving forward here. If you dig the podcast, definitely give a review on iTunes. Give it a star rating. Uh, and if you really want to, you know, go wild, you can do, like, a written review, and that would be really appreciated. And uh, at the very least, if you enjoy the podcast, tell all your friends. You know, we're looking, always looking for new listeners, always looking for more people to get involved. And uh, yeah, please share via social media, word of mouth, all that sort of stuff really helps everything out. And if you want to uh, get at me, um, you can hit me up on Facebook. Um, there's the Everything Went Black uh, Facebook page. Uh, you can get at me from there. You can check me out at Facebook just under Michael Hill. 
Uh, or you can just email me directly at mike.hill at everythingwentblackmedia.com. And uh, without any further ado, we have CJ Chapel. Cheers. So lately it seems like you've been uh, doing this sort of Tampa Northeastern sort of route back and forth. Um, so are, are you originally from Connecticut or, or from down, down in uh, Tampa? I am actually a bit of a child from all over the place, but um, I lived in Connecticut from 2011 till just last year. And I'm back now in Florida where I was living to prior to that. However, um, I still have family in the Northeast, uh, Connecticut, New York, um, both on my side and my fiance's side. So it is still, I still kind of consider Connecticut home, even though I didn't grow up there, uh, just because <clears throat> that's really where I feel I, I actually found myself. And I know that sounds kind of cheesy, but um, it, a lot of events that happened up there really brought me to the, the point where I'm at now with finally finding what I feel is my, my purpose in life. Um, another cheesy statement, but I, I stand behind it. Um, but yeah, so to answer your question, um, I've been going back and forth now. Um, I had some, some things come up with family, so I had to go back and forth more often than, than actually I, I planned on before moving back to Florida. Um, but yeah, we did, a we did a, a little bit of a, quote-unquote tour and um you know just reconnected with people in connecticut that saw the brand launch from the from last year and obviously friends and family and that and then made some new connections in massachusetts and and then obviously i'm in florida now so this is kind of like the stomping grounds um for the time being for rice and dreams so yeah it's, it's a lot of back and forth but uh, to be honest it, it, it i'm sure you can relate being a touring artist yourself um you know, it's, it's a bit hectic, but you can't put a, a value on being able to say that, that you can, you know, go to different places and make connections with different types of people instead of um, being set in stone in one in one place. Yeah, that's important. But uh, before we get into that, let's actually define uh, what you're what we're actually uh, the Rice and Dreams brand and concept and sort of lifestyle uh, philosophy is before we get into all the travel fun yeah absolutely um so rice and dreams is is kind of the name itself it's uh it's this the uh, not, i don't want to say theory but it's like it's a mindset more than anything and i've had that name in my head probably for the last five or six years and i knew i wanted to eventually once i took the leap into doing whatever it is i wanted to chase a hundred percent um, I knew I wanted to incorporate that name somehow. Um, obviously, life has a lot of peaks and valleys, ups and downs, and um, it all kind of made sense once the opportunity presented itself to to make it what it is now. And the name behind it is a tribute to my grandmother, who um, passed away in 2001. Uh, she passed away in our home. Um, and growing up, it, I, I would always hear the story, obviously, with my family of how you know my grandmother moved from Puerto Rico to New York in 1969, which, uh, I mean, it was a very different time, even even though it wasn't that long ago. It, it's just amazing how much things have changed. But back then, taking that sort of risk, you know, with uh, two children, my mother and my aunt at the time, who were, I believe, eight and four. Um, so just that risk, that mentality of going somewhere new, 
chasing something that that you know you want but you don't know how it's going to work out you're just taking that risk um i've always had a lot of respect and and i was very enamored with that whole idea so being that um, i'm of puerto rican descent the you know I'm, a lot of people are familiar with the fact that puerto ricans eat a lot of rice and beans it's a traditional dish amongst hispanics in general but uh, puerto ricans in particular and um it just basically sums the fact up that sometimes in life you might not be able to afford the beans, a secondary part of anything, whatever it may be, and you're just going to have to survive off the basics, which is the rice and the dreams and whatever vision or purpose or goals you have, you just have to go for it. You may not know how you're going to get there, but um, once I decided to actually practice what I preach with that, um, this was last summer, and I was working at a gym at the time, and excuse me for a second, Mike. Yeah, sure, man. So I was working at a gym at the time, and um, health and obviously uh, metal, hardcore, extreme music, the, just the DIY aspect of that is something that always resonated with me, and I felt tied in perfectly to Rice and Dreams. And, you know, in the music community, um, at least from my perspective, I sense that there was the last decade or so, I feel like there's there's been a loss of... of aspects of positivity and i'm not trying to be a superhero by any means so i don't want this to be misinterpreted but i just felt like things that i was passionate about weren't really um didn't really have a spotlight in the community so to speak so um being that i was working at a gym at the time i started seeing and noticing amongst people that they were overlooking the mental and spiritual aspects of health altogether and it was just it's just over the years this has become this very vain culture and a lot of people blame social media and entertainment. And it's, it's, I believe it's cumulative of all of that. Um, but it, there's just this lack of substance. And the, the, what I try to tie in with Rice and Dreams is obviously the health aspect um, of being mentally, uh, physically, and spiritually present. Um, you have to have all three of those. And if you don't, your life's going to be completely out of balance eventually, sometimes later than sooner or vice versa. But... Um, I, and I, I speak it from experience um, because a, a lot of what I do with this brand is kind of an extension of myself, even though um, I don't make it about me. Like none of the social media posts or, or any of that have my face in it. And that's that's intentional because I don't want this to be about a, one individual. I want this to kind of have its own life, its own its own feeling and eventually its own mindset for people. And um, what I wanted to do with it with the health aspect is correlated with the other thing that I'm very passionate about, which is extreme music. And then, like I said earlier, the DIY culture around it, where, like I said before, um, you know, musicians and people that I really, really respect and look up to such as yourself, um, you guys really take a big risk. You know, you, you guys go for something that could or, or, or could make you some money or you could survive off of, or, you might not, you know, uh, a lot of the people that I talk to have multiple sources of income and it's just, it's all about passion for them. They have to, it, 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 they have to do it and they may not know the outcome. They just go for it, which it, it all ties in with the rice and dreams concept of just making it off the bare minimum and just going for what you believe in until your dreams become a reality. Um, so I wanted to tie all of that together. Um, not right off the bat because I knew it was going to be, it was going to be a grind from the get go. I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty much the sole employee, sole owner 
um, and this is something very new for me, but I'm very happy to say that so much, so many things have fallen into place, and it's been a lot of work, but at the same time, like, it just feels like things are happening very organically and naturally, and I'm extremely thankful to, for anybody that even gives a shit about it. Um, uh, to be on your show right now is mind-blowing. I mean, just a couple years ago, I, I was nervous to walk up to you and say, hey, do you have coffee at one of your, t- <laughs> at one of Tomb shows, and now I'm speaking to you about something. It's just, it blows my mind. But um, not to ramble off too much on that, but um, I wanted to base the company also around giving back um, because I I don't see a lot of that. And especially with the whole whole thing that I'm trying to uh, sort of attack and be confrontational with, um, if you read my purpose statement, it it is blunt and it's, it's intended to be confrontational because I really do have a problem with vanity and narcissism and as I see it growing in our culture, I feel like one of the ways to start reducing that is, is do things that aren't going to solely benefit you, um, help out others. So, um, the gist of that is that the uh, a portion of the proceeds from every product that we sell is going to go to different health organizations that deal with youth. So it all brings it back full circle to giving back to the youth because I feel the positive and negative influences are always going to be there, but you have to have a choice. And the more positive influences you have at that age, for me, the number, uh, the age of 14 is, is, was a very important time as far as me being influenced and um, picking up bad habits at the time and things like that that I didn't realize then, but those decisions really do affect you the older you get. And then when you do inventory later on in life, you realize holy shit, I can trace the root of this problem all the way back to this decision. And that decision was based off influences or the lack of influences. So um, the giving back portion of the company is something that's always going to be there. Um, It's not really, I don't want it to be viewed as like a selling tool because I I don't really respect companies that do that or want to be even viewed like that. But it's always going to be part of the company at its core. Um, and the way we do that is, um, obviously, as, as you're well aware of, um, the people that that end up on Rice and Dreams television um, get to select what organization. So I, I just, by doing that, I want to build a community so that it's just, it's all linked together. I mean, like, for you, you pick Camp Aranatic of Harbor Camps and, you know, that direct link to you and now to me. So, like, it's just, it's a, I just wanted to, be viewed as a tree, basically like all these branches coming off the tree and everything as the company keeps growing and growing, God willing, it's just all connected at the end of the day. Yeah, I agree with that about uh, you know, young people. I feel like young people, especially these days, are really in jeopardy of a lot of these sort of negative forces influencing their lives. You know, I mean, you know, a lot of it stems to social media, you know, I mean, that's inherently itself a sort of ego driven, like narcissistic platform. And, um, I think that it's important to be aware that whenever you uh, present yourself in a certain way, it's not just reflecting on you, but it's also affecting other people that might be seeing that. So it's you have to pay attention to the things that you put out there into the world, you know. And I think that's really cool that you you have that in mind. Thank you, thank you. So you have a, a variety of different things, like um, like when when I uh, when I when you interviewed me for Rice and Dreams TV. Um, I got like, gave me a bunch of really cool stuff like t-shirts, you know, you got a hat, um, you know, 
uh, gear bag, like stuff like that. So what other products do you have available on, you know, from the Rice and Dreams sort of uh, store? You know, like what, what other stuff do you have available? Yeah, so um, right now it's basically everything that, that you were given, we still have except the gear bag because I'm working on a, a new version of that as we speak. But basically it's uh, it's meant to be active wear, you know, stuff for, for any type of health-based activity, whether it be yoga, martial arts, uh, weightlifting, uh, things that are light but high quality and just uh, you can sweat in or you could just wear out and about, uh, go to shows in, whatever whatever it is you want to do with it. So it's just basic things as of right now. So we have some T-shirts, uh, a hoodie, a hooded T-shirt, um, some leggings, tank top, um, working on another tank top right now, hats, beanies, just, just the basic essentials. I mean, it, it, there's direct inspiration coming from, you know, bands and, and shows and merch that I've actually bought or, or seen myself. And um, it, it's kind of my way of like tipping the hat off to those influences for me. Um, so it, it's, I'm not going to get too crazy with it, obviously, because the company's so new as of right now. But we just we have like the bare basics right now. We have nine products working on launching two more by the end of the month, hopefully if everything goes well. Um, and then we'll just keep it rolling like that. But that'll always be um, the main purpose behind the the, the products themselves. Uh, it always it won't you won't ever see like khakis or you know like uh, like a tie or something like that. You know. Yeah, it's got a pretty strong aesthetic. Um, the t-shirt I wear frequently. The t-shirt's real comfortable and it has like a wicking sort of material too. I noticed. You know, being a guy who sweats a lot, uh, that t-shirt. If you're doing any kind of like intense like working out. Um, it really, it's one of those shirts that it kind of has like this wicking ability to it, which I really appreciated about that. Sweet, man. Thank you. I'm so glad you like it, man. Yeah. You know, I've been trying to rep it. Like I, I repped the, uh, the beanie on the last tour we did and, uh, you know, just trying to tell people about the company and also, awesome, man. also, um, this really interesting sort of offshoot or what goes hand in hand is Rice and Dreams TV. So you have a few episodes yes. out right now. So you know you, you want let's talk about that a little bit. It's like a series similar to podcasting. It's um you know basically conversations with people. So you want to give us a rundown of the different uh, different episodes you have out? Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so the the TV thing is something I wanted to do from the start. I just really I didn't know how to do it. I I, I think I I never learned how to really edit video or shoot video. You know I. With all due respect, you know, because I know you gave me you gave me an awesome interview and everything like that, but I, I just I, I really it's barely been a learning process. So it all it all started with the idea, and then once um once we moved back to Florida, this was um, end of summer last year, and got situated. I said, okay, I need to figure out how I'm going to go about this. I mean, I I don't I've never edited videos, I've never edited videos, I've never shot videos, but I'm going to learn how to do it. I, I can't preach what Rice and Dreams is about if I'm not practicing it in my everyday life. So I said, you know what? I'm going to make do with what I got and figure it out. Um, luckily, um, I've just really just reached out to artists that I'm actually fans of. And, and that's what you'll see. Uh, uh, until the company grows a little more, I guess, I, I might expand and maybe reach out to people that I might not be too fond of just to get different perspectives about different things. But as of right now, um, it's strictly people that I des I think deserve a spotlight on other things aside from the music. Um, 
So I reached out to Johnny um, from Dark Sermon and the band Prison first. Uh, we had developed a sort of connection. Uh, I, I guess you could call it that. I had met him at a show when I was still living in Connecticut. I already knew I was moving to Florida at the time, so I gave him a heads up because I knew he lived in Tampa, that I'd be in the area, that you know I'd, I'd like to link up eventually once I get down there, and left it at that. I didn't tell him too much about what it was I was uh, I was trying to do because I didn't want to really just waste his time. But once I got down here, I reached out, and I mean he was all for it. And then um, I reached out to Liam from Dillinger Escape Plan, and he was all for it. And then I reached out to you, and we we had communicated in the past. Um, a couple times, and, and I, that was just another thing. Like, I was just taking a chance. Every time I've, I've reached out, I, I, I have this feeling of, like, oh, man, this is, like, so weird to ask somebody that I respect and have admiration for, for for such a big favor. But luckily, knock on wood, everybody has been super receptive uh, for the most part, and I'm really happy with the way they turn out. I get to let the individuals themselves pick the health topic. Um, with Johnny, we went with Straight Edge uh, because he's a big advocate for for that lifestyle and that decision and I think that's something that is it was a lot more prominent when I was growing up and I feel like it's a little quieter now and, and if I could help bring that out a little bit more I, I'm, I'm satisfied with that even if I just make a, a minimal impact that's great that I'm even making any type of impact and then same thing with you I feel like um, it was brought up in a lot of interviews that I've read of you of yours in the past when it comes to your you know your passion for martial arts and then obviously the health benefits of coffee and I always felt like the the topic didn't get addressed enough and I was so I'm so happy that you chose martial arts because um, I wanted to know more about it myself and you know being a fan first of all these individuals getting to know a different side of these individuals and how they implement the things they choose health wise into their lifestyle. It just opens up a whole avenue of, of thought for everybody and the way they view health and who is healthy versus who's unhealthy because people feel, I feel like there's this big conception that people in metal or in extreme music are, are just, uh, uh, you know, and I don't mean this any disrespectful way to anybody, but there's this misconception that everybody that's into metal or extreme music is a, a bunch of uh, bearded, overweight guys that drink beer. And it's not the case, you know, just like with anything in life that, you know, you can't can't really judge a book by its cover at all anytime so that's really what i'm trying to uncover with rice and dreams television and obviously it's meant to stimulate the mind and motivate and inspire educate and get conversations going and and that's pretty much it with that i mean uh, i have a couple that i'm working on right now that i'm super excited i don't want to say who they're with quite yet because uh, like my mom told me when i was growing up never count your chickens before they hatch but I'm very excited to just keep it going, and you have no idea what it meant to have you as one of the first episodes. I mean, it was just, it was super cool, man. I can't, I can't even thank you enough for that. No, I appreciate you asking me, man. It's really, I'm glad to be part of this in some, you know, some minor way. It makes me feel good, too. Uh, one of the things I also wondered about was, you said, you said that you didn't have any background in, in any of the production aspects, like editing or shooting. Uh, what about clothing and apparel? Is that something you have a background in, or is it DIY as well? That's a DIY as well, man. The, the whole the whole thing has been, I mean, I've, I've been lucky enough that at the beginning of uh, starting Rice and Dreams, I was able to connect with a couple of guys that ran a print shop up north and kind of uh, learn the bare basics, the bare basics of the process. But um, once I moved to Florida, that connection was lost. So, And I, I was at a point where I was like, you know what, this is what I want to do. I'm going to go for it. I, just because I moved doesn't mean, doesn't mean I can't find another way to get this done. So... 
um, I downloaded Photoshop, you know, and uh, <laughs> figured how to, you know, my, my, the design so far are pretty basic, so it was just a matter of, you know, researching materials and make sure that what I'm putting out there is something that I would actually wear and, and be proud of and not just trying to make a quick buck. Um, so, you know, I just I, it just kept it DIY, just learn Photoshop, learn how to, how to make these images, learn how to do this, and then found people that saw my vision and, and could get the products made themselves. So I'm working with a company down here that, that is really, really behind what I'm trying to do. So they're working very, very um, neck and neck with me as far as getting these things done and, and understanding what I want done, what I see as the, the overall purpose behind everything. And it's been really cool, man, but um, I'm really glad. I mean, obviously, it's, it's not a huge company by any means. You know, we have a long ways to go, but I, I couldn't be any more satisfied with the way I'm going about it. Just it, it, I, I just wanted to always retain that essence of what the name means and just keep that at the very core. No shortcuts, no no middleman, and none of that. Just all the people that I look up to and respect, and actually are hugely responsible for influencing this brand, didn't have shortcuts. You know, they they go on tour eight to ten months out of the year. You know what I mean? So um, I have to retain that attitude forever. So anything that I can learn, as long as I'm healthy and able to do that, I'm going to keep learning and figuring it out on my own. You know. Yeah, I didn't realize that that's where the name came from. That's um, a really cool concept, and it definitely ties in with being uh, a sort of creative professional or musician or artist or whatever. I mean, a lot of times you really are living off of the bare essentials, and uh, there's not a lot of prosperity, um, at least like in the material sense, not a lot of prosperity, but more prosperity in the sort of, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, spiritual component to living, where you actually feel good about what you're doing, and um, absolutely, man, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree anymore. So this um this tour uh, that you did, um, you know, you you were in Massachusetts, you're up up in the Northeast. Uh, you know, what was the uh, the sort of essence of that? Was you know, you you were at the New England uh, Metal and Hardcore Festival, like, you know, I was following you on uh, Instagram. And I saw that you were all over the place. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, man, it was uh, it was it was the fastest ten days of my life. Um, but it was very, it was extremely fulfilling. I mean, um, I just had the idea because I knew I was trying to get up there. I, I had been meaning to get up there and visit family for a while, but because of other situations, I wasn't able to until um, the end of April or mid-April, should I, I should say. Um, and then once I knew I was going up there, I said, you know, I. I I really need to make an effort to keep the brand presence, you know, alive to individuals that saw it from the beginning and that I, obviously I'm not in Connecticut anymore. So I just want to keep reminding people like, hey, we're still here and we're doing this. And obviously you want to reconnect and, and meet new people. So um, I have I had always I had always wanted to get involved with a music festival. And then the New England one couldn't make any more sense for me just because it's it's the the heart of what I like on a personal level and I'm passionate about on a personal level. So I felt it would make really good sense. Plus, it was during the same time frame that I was going to be up there. So I reached out on becoming a vendor and um, got that process rolling, got approved for it, and um, decided to just make it a tour. If I, I knew I was going to make a stop in Connecticut and then do the Metal and Hardcore Festival. And then another opportunity presented itself on Florida a few days before I went up to the Northeast. 
So, you know, taking direct inspiration from the extreme and just DIY culture, music community, what have you, um, I decided to just label it a tour and um, have some fun with it. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was definitely a mind-blowing experience because it was one of those things where I just continue to put myself out of my comfort zone, you know. Um, prior to Rice and Dreams, I wasn't on social media. I didn't have any social media profiles. Um, so all of that has been a learning curve uh, as well. Um, and I'm naturally a pretty private person, um, and that's another reason I didn't have social media. So putting myself, uh, you know, behind a vendor table at an event where I didn't really know too many people was just another way of saying, you know what, the, what I'm trying to do is more important than how this makes me feel as far as, you know, privacy or whatnot. And the reward, like you said, uh, it might not always be financial, but uh, spiritually it was it was awesome, man. So there were so many kids, and, and I asked say kids i'm not that old myself but i, I just say any, there were a lot of younger people that came to the table and once they heard what we were about and, and found out more about us it really impacted and resonated with them and that in itself was just it was crazy because it made the whole trip worth it to me i mean just to be able to meet strangers and for them to understand what it is you're trying to do and then not, i'm not even exaggerating i had a couple people get pretty emotional about it you know it impacted them and that's kind of what I wanted it to be. I wanted people to read what we're about and be like, whoa, like I feel what, where this guy's coming from and uh, I support it, you know? So it was, it was a great trip, man. And, but, uh, um, on top of it all, it was much needed on a personal level. So I got a lot of reward on the rice and dreams end, but I got even more reward from seeing family and then, and a couple of friends too. So it was great. Oh, that's awesome, man. And I could totally understand that with like younger people, because uh, I know when I was a young person, I was you know I was looking for something. I mean, I think that's still the same case with a lot of young people. Is um, you know when I was in my formative years, you know, you're, you go through this phase where you're searching, and you know, and for me, I found stuff like Black Flag and you know, yes, the, the black you know sort of hardcore punk and you know the early you know, thrash metal and stuff like that, and that's what got me. Um, through those years of, you know, where things could have went a different route. I mean, you know, just being sort of an individual and promoting that, yet also finding like-minded people is like a really important thing for young people because it's so easy to get absorbed by some of the standard typical things that have a sort of self-destructive aspect to it in life, you know? Absolutely, especially nowadays. I mean, these kids are literally being bombarded from all angles. I mean, I just, I, I, I try and envision like what it would be like to be a teenager nowadays. And I'm just like taken aback. Just the amount of stimulus coming at you from everywhere is insane. And it's very easy to just get absorbed. Like you just said, by, by a bunch of bullshit for lack of a better word. So to do something that I, I feel represents authenticity over anything else is, is going to be crucial as I move forward. Because now that I know that, you know, just from meeting strangers, that it, it connects with them, that it just gives me even more fuel to get the message out there and, and keep doing what I feel I need to do. Yeah, just, um, oh, this just immediately comes to mind, is uh, there, was a, there was a show on Netflix called 13 Reasons Why. Have you seen that, or you, have you heard about that? I, I Yeah, I've heard a lot about it. I Honestly, I've only seen about a half an episode. I was drifting in and out, because uh, my fiance was watching it. She was catching up on it on Netflix, and uh I saw a couple scenes out of it. It, it. it honestly, like, I got what they were trying to accomplish with it just from the little bit I saw. Um, but it didn't It didn't really grab me as something that I felt. 
was was really good. To be honest with you, that's just my opinion. I know it's getting rave reviews all across the board and stuff, um, but I did read a, a couple articles criticizing it, and that's that's where I was coming from because it. I don't feel like the the overall topic about it, even though it is intended to raise awareness. I don't feel it something that should be capitalized off of. If, if you kind of understand where I'm coming from, I can see that. I could definitely you know see that as it maybe being a little bit exploitative, but. Uh, but for me, like, I didn't realize, like, you know, as I watched the whole thing and I, I actually heard about it on a different podcast and they were, you know, cause it wasn't really something that I, you know, I read the caption, it showed up in my feed and I'm just like, eh, you know, I don't, this isn't really something yeah. I would really want to check out. But then it was, you know, a re- referenced in another podcast that I listened to and um, I'm like, at least let me check it out. So I blazed through the whole thing and I, um, and as a result of that, I did, like teen suicide. Like, I didn't realize it was, like, such a thing. You know, I mean, myself, not, I've, it's been many decades since I've been a teenager. So, I mean, I don't really, I'm not that tied into, like, that sector of our population. But apparently, it's on, it's on the rise. And I wasn't really aware of that. And it sort of makes sense with the sort of mean-spiritedness that, you know, kids inherently have. You know, as a result of, you know, growing up and trying to find yourself and the the sort of pressures of fitting in and all this other stuff. And, uh, and that's sort of exacerbated by social media and the immediacy of, uh, having a mobile phone with a camera, being able to text images out like instantaneously. So I don't know. It was just like a really interesting study, I think, in, um, and just the perils of being a young person these days. And it sort of made me yeah. a little more sensitive to that. Yeah. It's, it's very crazy. I mean, just, uh... The, the power that a cell phone has nowadays is crazy. And I wouldn't want to be a kid now, I'll tell you that. <laughs> no, definitely. You know, I, I was, um, actually, I, I did an interview uh, recently to help promote, the, you know, the record, the whole, like right now in the middle of this big press thing for uh, the new Tombs record. Which I'm extremely stoked for, by oh, the dude, way. Oh, <laughs> dude, hey, I'll, uh, I'll share something with you, so keep an eye out um, in the email. In the, once we're done All with right. this, I'll share something with you. Sweet, man. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's the least I can do. But um, one of the things we talked about in this interview was um, I kind of went off on this tangent, and it had to do with mobile technology and, like, uh, you're always, like, somehow connected in this weird weird matrix of, you know, with other people. And back, you know, I talked about how, like, you know, when I was growing up, I was before the Internet, really. I, a lot of, a large, uh, half of my life was before the sort of rise of the internet culture. And, um, I just remember, I look back on this time when you actually could get away, like you could actually go for a long walk, which I often did with no mobile device, no way of anyone being able to find you, no way of anyone being able to get in touch with you and just be gone and just be away and truly be by yourself with your thoughts and no um, sort of, uh, you know, external inputs. Like you, you know, nowadays you're never really alone. Like you go out for a walk, you have your phone, you're looking at Instagram, you're checking your email, people are texting you. You might, you know, look at some Facebook notifications. But back at this particular time, I remember oftentimes I would just take, take walks. I would just go away. I would just leave my apartment. I lived in a house with like five other people during this era and I would just go away and walk and then be alone I would have my thoughts and I would be able to focus on things and no one would be able to even get in touch with me until I came home. 
And then my roommates would be like, oh, yeah, so-and-so called. Can you call him back? You know, or look at him, our message board and be like, oh, yeah, so yeah, someone called me at 7 o'clock tonight. And, yeah. You know, and the absence of that, like, I just wonder how that really affects, like, our sort of levels, you know, in our brains, really, you know? Oh, man, I'm sure it has a huge impact of, of obviously not, not, a, not a good impact, but just just the fact that you know meditation is becoming such a big thing i don't i don't want to say thing but it's it's becoming so prominent nowadays it kind of lets you know that hey the the isolation of the human body or the human brain or the human spirit whatever you want to call it is essential to our survival and our continuation as a species so you're definitely right about that man yeah i mean it's it's no quiet you know and i i mean i i I owe every year I say this is the year I'm going to get into meditation and, and you know Liam's episode of your show you know talked about that like his practice and everything and it does seem like especially these days a very essential part of just your overall mental uh, maintenance and well-being you know and um, absolutely yeah I mean is that something that you do do you ever do you ever meditate I do um, it's something you know growing up to me I, I didn't realize I was always meditating you know, growing up, I grew up in a traditional Catholic Puerto Rican household, so it was prayer back then, and, you know, I would put a, a lot of emphasis behind it, a lot of, you know, quieting the mind, not really realizing what I was doing at the time, and obviously as I got older and, and learned things on my own instead of being, you know, following what you're told to believe in and things like that, and just learning and, and more and more, it's definitely become something more important in my life and to keep it to keep it simple definitely um speaking with liam at length about that really made me look at it in a completely different light and take it more serious so after that interview i definitely started you know different variations of it guided meditation transcendental meditation um but i had a health scare in in my family recently and um that's what really brought it to the forefront and i'll tell you what um if anybody's listening and has their doubts about meditation or anything, I just give it a shot. Uh, it gave me some introspection that not only did I need for the time being, but just for life in general. So it's definitely something I feel has a lot of value for, for any individual that's looking for for healthy ways of, of implementing new things in their life. Is, um, is it, a, is it a, a daily thing that you do or, or you know? It's a, it's usually it's usually in the morning. Um, some mornings, I don't I don't have enough time, and that's such a terrible thing to say. But uh, just you know, it's one of those things where I'm trying to make it a two a day thing. Okay. Um, but right now, it's it's usually first thing in the morning, uh, at least five to ten minutes. I'm trying to work my way up to make it twice a day for twenty minutes, and then go from there. But yeah, it's the, the definite the. The one I've gotten the most benefit from has been the morning practice. You know, as soon as you wake up, kind of acknowledge the day and and just take that opportunity to be at one with yourself and visualize, man. I'm, me and you talked about this too, the, the importance of visualization as well. That's I never thought I'd be the one saying these kind of things, but man, you, to, again, to anybody listening, that I can't I can't overemphasize the importance of visualization in life. I mean, just just a year ago, I mean, if you would have told me I'd be getting interviewed by Mike from Tombs, I would have <laughs> would have told you you were crazy. Like, and 
here I am. You know, it's 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 crazy. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a definite definite believer in it, um, and want to want to strengthen my practice with it as well. To answer your question, yeah, that's something that uh, visualization is important, and, and it's like it's it seems that the only time what what actually proves that is when you're in some sort of deficit, like when. For example, like a few years ago, I had a knee injury that uh, really impacted. Like I was, my uh, my meniscus was torn. Actually, it's torn in both knees, but like my left knee was like in really bad shape, and uh, I couldn't do anything for months. And um, it was like one of these things where I spoke to uh, one of the instructors at uh, the Marcelo Garcia Academy, where I was training jujitsu at the time, and. Uh, they're saying that, well, you know, just continue to come to class and visualize yourself doing the techniques. You know what I mean? And he's like, that's the most important thing is to just in- mentally visualize yourself doing that. And then, you know, you can manifest that still like down the line. So that was that was when I really first started understanding the power of the mind, because even though I wasn't physically able to execute a lot of this stuff my brain was still exercising those neurological pathways that controlled my body, you know, by, and that was strictly through visualization. I wasn't in, a, in practice at all. And, um, you know, also, uh, manifesting ideas like, you know, I, I familiar with a lot of occult practices and, you know, not so much like, you know, pulling a rabbit out of a hat, but if you met, you know, meditate on something with intention, like if you, put a lot of energy into achieving something and you put a lot of intention into, into, you know, your practice of trying to achieve a goal that ultimately you, you end up achieving that goal. But first you have to imagine yourself doing something. You have to imagine yourself attaining this thing. And I think that once you set that, that spike out there, you know, that, that goal that you will focus yourself towards achieving that. And that's like really, I mean, 90% of what I do every day is trying to conjure something up out of nothing, you know what I mean? Like, be it yeah. my, my writing or, you know, moving Savage Gold Coffee forward or, or writing new material for the band or, you know, whatever. Even, you know, doing podcasts, like figuring out what to do. There's always, like, this intention that drives everything else forward, you know? And I think that that's a very important thing and that sounds like something that, you know, you've also experienced as well. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's it's super crucial, and I, it just becomes more and more important to me. And as each day passes, it's just clear, like the dots start connecting themselves, so to speak. You just you have these moments of reflection where you're like, oh, okay, this happened and that happened. You could trace it all back to a thought, you know, or an idea, like you just said that you were giving intention to, whether it be a couple weeks ago, a couple days ago, months ago, or a year ago, you know. It, you just put it out there like you just said, and it, it literally, you know, it, not to say that it doesn't take effort and hard work, perseverance and dedication, but things really do, if it's something you really want, they really do start taking care of themselves, man. It's very weird how that happens. So you mentioned that, uh, you, you know, you work at a gym. Do you, do you what, what sort of, um, I mean, what, what background do you have in fitness? Well, up, up north I worked at a gym. Right now, um, I was a personal trainer back there, and um, the... The um, the whole physical aspect of rice and dreams is uh is something that ties into that aspect. I was just a, I was a personal trainer at one of the gyms in Connecticut. There's a, there are a chain of gyms that are 
I think they're going nationwide as we speak, um, but it was just a company of gyms in, in Connecticut. Um, and it just, it kind of reignited the, the health passion. I mean, I've been in, I've been in the gym since, uh, I think like 15, 16, but it, it, I was never really super involved with, um, the mental spiritual side, um, in my early times in the gym, I think with most people, it becomes a, Oh, I, you know, I want to look good. I want to feel good thing first, but then you realize that that gets out of balance. So, you know, in my early twenties, I started taking fitness very, very serious on a different aspect and then worked my way into personal training, which gave me a completely different perspective. You know, the impact you can have on, on helping people and, and changing people's lives. And then just a connection you develop with people along the way, is something that directly translated into what I'm doing now. So it's always something that's going to be there. Like right now, I'm not working at a gym, but I do um, some outdoor boot camp classes um, twice a week. So I, I, it's something that's always going to be there. Like I, I, it's something I need. I need that connection, that direct. Because with Rice and Dreams, you know, I, I'm directly impacting people, um, whether it be communicating with people such as yourself or with the, the organizations that we partner with and things like that. But I still need that actual connection of being involved in the moment, doing something physical. And it's something I will always continue to do. I just don't know if it'll be a, a constant full-time thing or, or as it is right now. You know, it's just uh, it's more of a hobby right now. It's still still something to be seen as, as to whether I go back to a gym down here because we might actually be relocating back to the Northeast. Oh. Um, that's another story in itself. But um so we'll see. We'll see what the future brings. But it's definitely something I'm always going to keep, something I'm extremely passionate about, and I, I definitely have to acknowledge as one of the reasons that it brought me to where I'm at now. Yeah, I always thought that uh, it would be really satisfying being in some kind of instructional uh, position. You know I mean? I thought about, you know, I thought about, you know, teaching Muay Thai or something or, you know, being involved as an instructor in that field or, you know, with, you know, grappling or something. I think it would be really, really fun and fulfilling to do that. And, um, it is, man. It definitely is. And um, last time I was up there, you were wearing a, a, a shirt for a gym that you that you go up to up there. Are you still going to that same gym? There's a couple of shirts I have to a couple of different gyms that I, I <laughs> all the, I well I think the shirt I was wearing was the the PCC shirt, which is a physical yeah, culture yeah. collective. And uh, that's yeah, that's where I train right now. That's definitely I spend almost every day there. I mean, I go there pretty much uh, five days a week sometimes. I want to check that. That place out next time I'm up there, man. So definitely got to link up for that. I'd love to. I just like visiting new gyms, all you know, whether it be weight training or like martial arts or anything. I just want to. I like exploring. So. Oh man, a hundred percent. I mean that they have it all there. Actually, they have. Um, I mean, it was it started out mainly as a Muay Thai camp, and they have um, Gavin Van Vlack, who's been a guest on this podcast at least twice, and possibly will again be a guest in the near future um is the founder awesome. he's the founder of the gym and you know he is a long time staple in the kickboxing uh community here in new york city um he's fought professionally he's been instructing um at many different uh camps here in the city at uh, chalk sabai uh king's thai boxing i mean he's a pretty well-known guy and all of his other instructors are people who um you know, are from that same world and who also, in addition, have a, a really deep background in like um, functional fitness, like, uh, you know, doing like in the quote unquote physical culture of like, you know, using um, body weight, uh, kettlebells, 
um, sort of odd object sort of stuff like that, you know, like using those, um, you know, pushing around sandbags and sleds and, you know, suspending and, you know, doing, doing all that kind of stuff. And they offer that there as well. Um, they have a very small uh, jujitsu program. And then there's also uh, meditation classes. They have. I'm not meditation. I'm sorry. Yoga, yoga classes. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. And it's a great place, man. And yeah, for sure. When you come up again, we should go. And, um, I'll take you with me, man. We can all, you know, I can introduce you to everyone. And it's a really oh, great so place cool, to train, man. man. It's an excellent place. And, um, well, it's fun too. And it's like, you know, it's, there's not, the attitude there is pretty cool. Everyone's pretty laid back. And like I said, it, it's, uh, for me, it was like a real learning experience because, uh, the way they approach, uh, Muay Thai is, uh, more like a European style and, uh, is more based around, uh, achieving really good movement. And that's where I've really benefited that aspect is like the movement aspects of it. It's really improved the way I move and the way everything kind of connects, you know, and I think that's something that having trained at a lot of different other, you know, different places around the city and that's not always the emphasis, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. oftentimes overlooked. So yeah, we should definitely check that out. Absolutely, man. Have you ever done anything with martial arts prior to that? Uh, no, growing up I did, uh, taekwondo and a little bit of karate but I, didn't, I never got into any mma but that's something that i promised myself of last year that i'd be getting into soon so i'm working my way towards it just uh want to explore all different aspects of health while i'm i'm still here alive you know what i mean so yeah that's important man yeah i started out doing taekwondo too that's where i got a lot of kicking and sort of those techniques i think a lot of guys my age who do muay thai started out in like either taekwondo or kyokushin karate like um you know that because that back in like you know when i was like younger there were you know we didn't know anything about muay thai back then there was like when you say yeah. kickboxing it was like that weird pka uh you know with the weird, <laughs> those weird pants you know and stuff and yeah man <laughs> you know, that was that. like what you you know you, you associated with kickboxing like dudes who can't really box and then they you know above the waist kicks and stuff like that so um, yeah, well, I run into a lot of people that uh, are a little bit older that, you know, were involved in Muay Thai that started, you know, Taekwondo and, and uh, you know, Kyokushin and, and the, you know, that whole thing. And um, there's actually a documentary out there that I, I have. It's called uh, The Hundred Man Fight, which is um, about uh, Judd, Judd Reese is the guy's name. He's an Australian guy. And he started out in Kyokushin and then he, well, he actually is, a, is known as being a Kyokushin guy, but... There's um, the actual, you know, you, you probably see this stuff in Bloodsport where it's like the kumite where you have to fight a hundred guys. That's actually a real thing, believe it or not. And uh, this dude made it through the hundred, the hundred guys. <laughs> Holy cow. It's, it's a intense jo- documentary, man. And it's like, um, they really you do. Called, you said it's called the hundred yard fight. It's called a hundred man fight. hundred. All right. I'm writing yeah. that down. And uh, the guy's name is Judd Reese, and he's uh, this Australian dude, and uh, really, really uh, intense, and kind of um, connects a little bit about visualization and the kind of mental, physical connection that you need um, to to achieve these things, you know. And I think that's probably one of the biggest takeaways from martial arts in general is like, you know, whether or not you're ever successful at you know, becoming a black belt or this, you know, tournament champion or whatever, 
it teaches you how to visualize and how to focus and how to um, calm your mind down so that you can actually do these things that you're afraid of doing. And I think that's, you know, something that, you know, this, this documentary touches on that a little bit. And it's like a, a really cool, uh, maybe I'll put, I'll put a link to the trailer on the, my Facebook page for anyone out there who's interested. I know I posted yeah, no, it before. I'd definitely love to watch it, man. It sounds very interesting. Yeah, I, I actually, uh, I think it's on like iTunes, but I, I purchased a copy of it like a few years ago when I first found out about it. But, but yeah, that's like a pretty pretty intense uh, documentary. Um, so when you did this tour, did you how did like how what was what was the uh, the sort of mechanism like? Did you did you drive in a van or did you pack your stuff up and fly or like how did you how did you do all I, this stuff? I literally I used I took advantage of my um, my luggage uh, that I took with me on board the flight because I flew in I flew from Tampa to Jersey from Jersey went to Connecticut and then from Connecticut drove to Massachusetts but um basically brought all the inventory with me and in my luggage I had a banner made and it was shipped up north so I picked it up once I was up there rented a car and just went to all the different places man and it was it was it was it was a little stressful uh, but it was definitely it was a fun experience man I mean but walking onto an airplane with an insane amount of inventory was pretty pretty crazy for me. I mean, I'd never done anything like that before. And, but you just got to make it happen, man. You know, and that's that was just an example of just doing what you got to do. You know, was it like you and your fiance? Did you have some people helping you at least, or no? No, unfortunately, my fiance couldn't make the trip. Um, she's finishing up her internship that she's in right now, and. Uh, it, the timing of it wouldn't have allowed for her to take that long of a break, but um, it was just me. And then, luckily, my future brother-in-law was able to give me a hand for the Massachusetts date. But the Connecticut date was just me. And as far as you know, bringing the stuff on board with me on the plane and getting out there, that was all me. Um, but yeah, it was just, like it's one of those things where it's funny while it's happening, and then when you talk about it later, you're like, yeah, I brought a whole bunch of stuff with me on a plane, and then. Um, still made it happen you know no it's awesome man that's I, I was that was wondering about how you how you did that i was like oh did you just plug everything on the plane i guess that's exactly how you did it <laughs> yeah no as, as i'm packing it up the night before i'm like wow i can't believe i'm doing this right now it was like it was funny man but um now we, we got it done uh the, the only i only needed a car for the four days of the dates that that were connecticut and then leading to the end of the New England Metal and Hardcore Festival, so I just rented a car for those four days, and then once I got back, returned it, because I, I was staying with family at the time, there was no need for me to have a car other than that, so just did it off the bare minimum, just to, you know, get out there and, and get the full experience, and I almost thought of uh, of putting, like, quotations around the word tour on, like, all the announcements and flyers, because it's, like, it's not really a tour, you know, I'm not, I'm not hopping in a van, but, you know, as, like I said earlier, it's like tipping a hat off to the, to my influences. I just wanted to have some fun with it, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it sounds, it's fucking cool, I think, man. And, Thank um, you, man. So at the New England Hardcore Fest, like, what was some of the, some of your, some of the, you, it looks like, you know, once again, I was like peeping what you were doing on Instagram. It's like, what was some of the, some of your favorite bands you saw? Oh, man, I mean, I, mean, I couldn't catch too many of them, um, because I, obviously I had to man the table and, and and be there but um i made it an effort to definitely go catch all out war i, I saw a couple songs um 
so I, I did make an exception to see all of Harm's Way set, though. So I, I let my future brother-in-law know, hey, you got to chill out at the table because I have to see this band. Um, so I saw all of Harm's Way. Um, the side of the venue we were at shut down at 8.30 the first night. Um, so once we bagged everything up, I was able to catch uh, Sepultura oh, and, and Testament, who closed out the, the main stage that night, which was unbelievable. And so many people talk about a real Sepultura, fake Sepultura, and, and that's so discrediting to what the current lineup has done because not only do they put on a, an amazing show, they're just so tight as a musical unit. You know, and obviously I'm a huge fan of Max Cavalera and Igor, but, um, you know, you just got to respect whatever incarnations of things happen the way they do, you know. Um, but that was it was awesome to see the current lineup of Sepultura and then Testament always puts on a hell of a show. Oh, yeah. So Yeah, they're legends, man. Both bands, yeah, actually. Man. But yeah. So um, I actually saw the Cavalera, Igor and Max Cavalera thing uh, up here in New York uh, right before I left for that tour that I did. In, uh, uh, dude, with Full of Hell? Yeah, Full of Hell and Immolation. Oh, man. Yeah, Immolation was on that, too. And it was just pretty Dude, cool. I wanted to go to... None of those dates got anywhere near Florida, but actually uh, they did, but it was the previous lineup, and I couldn't go because of work. But the one, the Full of Hell Immolation one didn't make it all the way down here, which I was bummed on. Yeah, we yeah uh, we toured full hell um, last year, man. It was really cool, yeah, guys. It was you and uh, thirteen forty nine, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. It was in. We went to Tampa. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, I'm actually going to be in Tampa on this next tour. Um, we're leaving in June. Uh, in by uh, just about five weeks, we're leaving. Um, and it's uh, us and uh, fit for an autopsy, and um, we're playing in Tampa. So. You know, if you're around, definitely we'll hang out. Oh, for I'm, sure. I'm there, dude. I'm definitely there. This time, let I me didn't... know in advance, and I'll put you on the guest list. Oh, sweet, man. Cool. Yeah. No, it's the least I can do. I know. No, I appreciate that, man. And um, I, I, this tour, I, I love it because um, you're seeing a lot more of it, these diverse lineups, where it's all still like extreme metal or extreme music or whatever you want to call it. But it's there's a lot of diversity to it. Like, Moontooth is opening, and I love that. You know what I mean? Like... Uh, it's just three different types of bands, and I think they all have the crossover appeal for all the fans of each following. So I, it's going to be a dope tour for you guys. I know it. Yeah, I'm excited, man. I I, um, I don't really know much about Moontooth, and I, I didn't realize that they, they were on the bill until about four weeks ago. So I was like, cool. You know, it sounds... And people... Some of the other guys in the band knew. They were like, oh, yeah, they're sick. Like, they're just kind of progressive, like, heavy band. And I'm like, sounds good to me, so... I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna make an effort to get familiar with their music before we head out on this thing and just uh, yeah, sweet man. What's kind of cool is we're all all three bands are like from the tri-state area too, which is kind of cool. It's like Mootoo's from Long Island, like Tombs is currently Tombs is based in New Jersey, and uh, and Fit for an Autopsy is based in Jersey too now, so it's cool. Even though I live in Brooklyn, the band is actually located in New Jersey now. Practice space. Awesome, man. All this so stuff. everything's set for as far as like the new lineup and everything? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, you know, there was, <laughs> there was a little bit of um, an upheaval, um, you know, over the last few months, and uh, that has been resolved. And I, you know, I got a pretty, I got a steady bunch of guys playing right now. I mean, you know, I mean, I've, I've recently become comfortable with the fact that the band is like, you know, even though it's a band, it's not really a band. It's like pretty much me expressing myself and uh, 
there really hasn't been a band dynamic since Andrew Hernandez was in the band. Who I don't know if you ever saw us with Andrew. He was um, the drummer that that uh, was was in the uh, the Savage Gold era. You know, from Path to Tower. Yeah, yeah, and Savage yeah. Gold. I saw you guys. Yeah, Andrew and I are we're friends. Like we still are. I mean, we still are friends, but we we had a relationship prior to being in the band together, and. Um, you know, our old bands played together and, you know, Tombs played with, actually the first Tombs tour back when we first formed was with his old band, Azra. And, um, so yeah, so there was like a, a camaraderie there, like a connection, like a relationship existing. And then he joined the band and then, but it was built upon a friendship as opposed to having, I need a drummer, you know what I mean? So, um, so that was the last time it actually really felt like that sort of dynamic where it's okay yeah we're, we're friends we're in a band and then you know he um you know he left because you know, he just was moving into a different phase of his life and you know he lives in he lives out in san francisco now in the bay area or actually oakland but the bay area and um you know i just saw him on this last tour so since he left the band has never really been it's like you know, yeah, we had a drummer for these last two records, but, you know, there was no connection personally as far as, like, someone that I'm going to be friends with for the rest of my life, you know what I mean? And it, it was more of, like, a, you know, I, I hate to say it, but more of, like, a, a professional business, you know, type of thing. You know, it was almost like a work relationship you have with people. Yeah. And, um... You know, it, it's it. That's sort of unfortunately. That's how a lot. Of, I think I feel like a lot of bands operate that way these days. And uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I I owe it to myself to continue doing the things that I feel um, you know passionate about. And I understand. I'm fully aware of how this sort of lifestyle is very tough on people. So, you know, I don't sweat people for moving in and out of the uh, this this sort of realm. But like the one thing I am critical of these people is about the way that they did it, which is kind of, you know, there was, there was a little 16 year old girl element to <laughs> some of the departure of these guys. It was like a, an immaturity that I don't appreciate really. And, um, you know, that's unfortunate, but you know, I'm still, I'm still moving forward. I mean, some of my favorite performers, you know, like Michael Gira from the Swans, it's like, he's had how many different lines? Oh like, God. You know, Napalm death. Like he's, he's, he's probably lost count. Yeah, he's probably lost count. Napalm Death, like there's no original members really, but it's, you know, that's just kind of the way things are, you know, and and yeah. um, you know, even on a different level, like even, you know, like Abigail Williams, like on the last tour, Ken was playing in the band, and Abigail Williams is just like Ken and Jeff basically, and you know, the the has the show has to go on, and you got to keep moving forward, and you got to keep, you know, until I decide that I don't want to do this type of thing anymore, I'm going to continue doing it, and. I just if I have to find people to play with, then I have to find people to play with, you know. But but right now things are stable, so I can you know be comfortable. Well, that's, I'm really glad to hear that, man. You got no one's gonna stop me, man. That's like that's yeah. like you can put obstacles in my way, but no one's gonna stop me. You know what I mean? I'm Hell gonna yeah, keep, dude. keep rolling. You just keep it pushing, man. Yeah, you know, you just build up momentum. You visualize and you work your way through these things. So, you know, kind of like what you were talking about. Yeah, exactly, man. So, so um, um, as far as, like, where people can find you, like, you want to just give a rundown of, like, you know, the website and, you know, Instagram and, like, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, basically, Instagram is uh, 
probably the one I'm most active of or active on just because it to me it's like a creative outlet in a way even though it's you know creativity is kind of you know subjective but um, to me I, I have the most fun utilizing that one so I'd probably recommend going there first if, if you're interested in anything about rice and dreams it's uh the the name for it is rice the letter x and then dreams plural um so rice x dreams and same thing with facebook it's facebook.com uh, backslash rice x dreams um and then the website is www.rice the letter x dreams.com so awesome. all three of those are pretty pretty much similar I, I try to keep it pretty simple i don't want to be too all over the place i want it to maintain a constant theme and aesthetic for it so they they all kind of run together but those would be the best ways to stay in touch as far as new episodes we got coming out new products uh future tours quote unquote um anything like that that's great man i'm real excited about that and uh dude thank you yeah, man. So, and I'm also, I'll, I'll uh, you know, I'll tag all this stuff up in the, uh, you know, the, the episode notes and the post I put for this episode on Instagram and Facebook. It all have like, you know, tags for people to get to you through that. Awesome, awesome, man. Much appreciated. Well, thanks a lot for uh, taking out this time, man, and talking to me, CJ. I really appreciate it. Dude, pleasure's all mine, man. Again, uh, as a fan first, thank you so much for this opportunity. You have no idea what it means to me, and I'm very thankful for you giving me your time. It's awesome. really. Like I said earlier, man, if you would have told me this was happening a year ago, I'd be like, get out of here. But it's happening, and I'm very happy that it is, man. Cool. Well, once again, everyone, thanks for listening, and I'll I'll be at you guys soon. Take care.
Close!